A Shot of Wrestling, episode 82. And uh, wait, we go. I'd be busting freestyles and stone cold strutting and hitting the attitude adjustment. Brothers of destruction, Undertaker change. Sit in the fire or get pooed like Roman brain. Give this dude love and you got my back. Man, you're so kind and hit that cactus jack. It's Patty Yag, the face that runs the place now. So phenomenal when I'm breaking the walls down. You're about to get hit. We going off the script. If you don't submit, you get hit with the super kick. We talk at WWE. It's a shot of wrestling with Green Man and MJT. All right, ladies and gentlemen, you have tuned into the right podcast because it is time to take shots and it is time to talk about wrestling. And that's why you are tuning in to a shot of wrestling. And I am the green man, the greenest that you ever could see. Well, at least through a podcast. And I'm here with the host of a shot of wrestling. Yours truly, my brother, Michael J. Putty, the wealth of knowledge in the wrestling world, is here with us tonight. It's a little, little much for me, but okay. <laughs> Michael J. Putty, man, how has your week been? It fucking it, sucked. It, what do you mean? It fucking sucked since day one. It fucking sucked. <laughs> Worst that, week in a long time. You, you should make a shirt um, for that. You could be a SmackDown star with the Usos instead of being down since, what is it, being, being down since day one-ish? Or? That, that one is H. Down one is H. You could just be. It sucks since day one ish. No, does that make sense? I'm fine, no, no. doesn't. Doesn't follow. I just understand because Monday, all day, felt like a Tuesday. Okay. Tuesday all day felt like a Wednesday. Okay. Wednesday all day felt like a Thursday, etc. etc. So I don't know why. It just it was a long, slow week, and I'm happy to be here drinking. Mike, the bartender, hooked us up. Ready, I'm ready to do a uh, do a show. On Tuesday, we actually got together to did a little karaoke and hung out with Sean Connery. Yeah, we did, couldn't go to our usual spot. And why is that again? Um, why? Why? Why can't we go to our spot? Uh, why we have the Yakuza and have two songs of English songs? Two well, pages of well, English songs. Well, because the the Green Man was hanging out with the bullies a few months ago at five. Oh, 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 oh. You mentioned the bullies. Take a shot. <laughs> okay, here we go. That's one. Um, <laughs> and um, yeah, and we uh, kind of disrespected our local karaoke spot. I'm not going to explain what we they did. and you disrespected our karaoke spot. I I, I I shat where I ate, and you shouldn't do that. Lesson number thirty eight of a shot of wrestling: Do not shit where you eat, because it's going to take a while for you to build that bridge so you could come back. But yeah, we but new karaoke spot. I thought it was really cool. No, they had not. jackets, yeah, get to wear and jacket. tambourines, and, and and lights. All these great lights out there. I love karaoke. Okay, there's something about karaoke it makes me feel like a superstar. Mm-hmm. Um, the why'd, you, why'd you grab the green jacket? You grab the, you grab the red one. It, it was the closest one there, mm. and it looked like it could fit because the green men's been putting on a little weight. You know, <laughs> so it's the only one that could fit. But uh, it, it was a good night. And I, I just like you, I'm very happy to be here. Okay. Um, and get to what many of you are tuning in for. We're talking to announcer, commentator, extraordinaire, Peter Rosado. And I got to tell you, man, there is a plethora of names that comes up into this interview. Who did we not mention? Find out next 
as we interview Peter Rosado. Ladies and gentlemen, a shot of wrestling proudly rings to you the voice of a generation, Peter Rosado. Thank you guys for having me. I mean, it's, 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 it's a blast. It's an absolute blast to be on here uh, after, you know, literally, you know, being that guy that sits in front of my computer and listens to it all. Um, <laughs> so it's going to be very interesting kind of like hearing my own voice. I don't know. Maybe I'll be like one of those Hollywood actors that doesn't like watch their own stuff. I don't know. Maybe, maybe it could be like that, but it, it's all about you tonight here on a shot of wrestling <laughs> because we have a lot to get through but first and foremost, was wrestling a big influence for you growing up? Um, it was a huge passion. <clears throat> I don't, I you know, and it's and it's it's easy to interchange the words influence and passion. But um, growing up, uh, I was born in, in 1987. So I, and the funny thing is, I'm a huge, uh, I'm a huge Four Horsemen fan. Um, which obviously their major run, like the major legendary original horseman was before my time. Right. Um, you know, the first wrestling event that I remember watching that I was shown, my grandfather showed me a video cassette of WrestleMania two. And that was the one that was in three different cities. And I remember watching it and it was just like, wow, this is incredible. And obviously the voices behind wrestling caught my attention, but I didn't realize it at the time, you know, like obviously I was into the wrestling and, you know, I wanted to be, uh, I guess maybe like most young kids, I, I wanted to be, you know, the rockers version of, 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 of Shawn Michaels. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I loved, I loved the demolition and I loved the things that they did. And, uh, you know, and then growing up obviously in the height of the Monday night wars and the attitude era and things like that. You get really, really hooked into wrestling. So wrestling was always a huge part of my life. Uh, it was always something I said, you know, like one of those kind of like things I said, Hey, I'd, I'd really love to do this. You know, I didn't realize that it would take me down the road that it took me down. Obviously, obviously everybody wants to be in the ring at some point, Yeah. but yeah, man, it was, uh, it was huge for me. I mean, watching uh, WCW and, and WWF and now WWE growing up. And then, you know, as I got older watching NWA stuff going on, YouTube and going on the internet and getting videos of NWA, ECW, stuff like that, like stuff that I just was not privy to back then. It was a huge influence on just the way I creatively saw the world. Well, you mentioned a, a few characters, and when you look back at the 80s, it was all about characters. And one of the things that really sold those characters were the people telling the stories behind it. So as an announcer, you have the best seat in the house. Um, what has been the best uh, character development that you feel you were able to put over just with your voice? I mean, it's tough. Uh, in terms of character development, man, I mean, and just looking at, like, different companies. I mean, looking at, like, the way that uh, calling someone like Mike Orlando. I remember, and I, and I have this conversation with Mike Orlando all the time. I remember when Mike Orlando was first starting out, I remember I was at a, a Five Borough wrestling event. I, was, um, I wasn't commentating yet for Five Boroughs. I was actually doing ringside photography. And I remember he was, like, in a four-man scramble match at the very beginning of the show. Uh, he was dressed in, like, this really regular green singlet. He looked like... You know, some dude who was trying to play wrestling to see what a guy like Mike Orlando has become to um, 
I remember watching Darius Carter when he was really just a part of the crusade for change and now for him to become his own thing, you know, and, I, and I've seen a lot of guys grow. I remember uh, watching the Heavenly Bodies as a fan back in the day and mm-hmm. then, you know, and then now to see where they've come as a tag team. You know, there's so many guys and girls, I should say, that I've seen develop that it, it's hard to really tell. I mean, I've been, I think, in the thick of it for the last couple of years and I've seen so many professionals in that ring that I'm like, oh, wow. Well, with character development, I mean, you you build yourself up. You, you go through so many changes. Has there been an evolution with yourself? Um, I remember coming in to the business, uh, being given an opportunity. I mean, um, you know, I didn't, I didn't come in as a trained wrestler. I didn't, uh, I didn't go to a school and I didn't train and then, you know, step outside the ring and decide to do other things or, you know, things like that. And, um, I started as a, um, as an interview guy. Um, I remember, uh, Back when FWE used to run in New York City, it was back in uh, late 2011, probably sometime in 2012, I came in and a friend of mine ran an online wrestling website and he needed somebody to go do a couple of interviews at the show and the guy that he usually had couldn't make it. And he said, hey, Pete, would you mind going down to Brooklyn and going to this indie show and doing a couple of interviews for me? And I was like, all right, fine. I had nothing to do, right? Yeah. So I, I, I go down to this indie show and I'm like, hey, I'm here for this person and I'm here for this, you know, this is my credentials and stuff like that. And they let me in and I do a couple of interviews. I remember I interviewed uh, Ted DiBiase Jr. Uh-huh. in his first uh, indie appearance wow. after getting released from the WWE. Um, I'm having a conversation with Paul London and Tommy Dreamer and, and getting these interviews down and then sending them to my friend and then that was the first one. It really was this kind of like, you know, just ask simple questions, do simple things. And then I started to realize like, hey, I think I can do something here. When I started to kind of branch out into commentary, I really wanted to kind of match other commentators. I wanted to do what I saw on television because that's that's what you saw on TV. Right. But soon enough, I kind of – I really didn't want to be so rote and robotic and stuff. And so now it's funny because people will listen to my commentary and they're like, Oh my God, I heard, I heard you, you sounded like Joey Styles here, or you sounded like Moro Ronaldo here, or you sounded like, you know, you, you threw a JR reference in here. And, and it's always, you know, really fun now to kind of like sit back and watch other people's commentary and really kind of, you know, co-op and build it into my own style. So taking, you know, what I do and the way that I am, I'm very conversational, you know, I'm not, I'm not the type that's going to just sit there and be like, Oh, we're going to, we're going to call the match and and that's it. Right. You know, it's more like I'm, you know, I'm going to have a conversation with my commentary, my commentary partner. I'm going to call the match. You're going to know what's happening. I've always liked to say if a blind man or a blind person was, was listening to the commentary for the match that I'm calling, they should be able to know what's going on while also getting information about the wrestlers. Because to mm-hmm. me, I'm not only putting over the match, like I'm not only just putting over the suplex and the great deep arm drag. I want you to know who these wrestlers are and get invested into this match outside of what just 
happening with the moves in the hold. So there definitely was an evolution where I just went from trying to be like a cookie cutter commentator to really wanting to have my own style. And it's still growing to this day. Like by no means am I, am I done evolving. And my hope is like, I'll never be done evolving. Like I always want to get better. No, I agree. I mean, there's one of the things that me as a fan like to listen to, and it's not just the action like you mentioned. There, there's more to it. And we've heard other announcers talk about, you know, the storytelling that goes on in the match to get people invested. But one of the things me as a fan, I like feeling like I'm being, like I'm there, like I'm part of it. So like the ambiance, the crowd's electricity, what, il- what else is going on beyond the, the, the ring that's happening that could be part of the magic that's going on in that arena. And at B- CW, you know, the fans also create part of that atmosphere that you guys talk about when you're in that conversation, which is really nice. Yeah, I mean, you know, the, the, and, and you got to also remember, like, on the independents, like, guys and girls walk out into a company, many of them with an established resume before they've ever debuted for your company or before they've wrestled for your company for the next time. And so I really try to put over what these people have done personally. I'm not really big on the politics side of it. I want everybody to kind of get a shine. So I don't care where you've wrestled for. I don't care, you know, what championships you've won. I want to tell that story. I want to tell the world, you know, and whoever's listening that, oh my, this person is a champion at four different companies. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter that Mm -hmm. I'm putting that company's name on the air. Like that person's wrestling for whatever company they're wrestling for right then and there. They're wrestling for BCW that night. That's great. But do you know that they've also wrestled for this company and this company? And this is why they're here at BCW because they have this established resume because they've done Mm -hmm. this because they've done that because, you know, they've accomplished this. And I really want that to go up because that's as much of a, as, as a story as anything, because, you know, when you look at a guy like Dan Moff, for example, okay, who's had the illustrious career that he's had, you know, it's, I'm doing a disservice to the listener if I just treat it as this is the first time Dan Moff is doing anything anywhere. And visually, you could tell this is not the first time Dan Moff has been in a ring. (laughs) Right, like, who is Dan Moff? (laughs) What has he done? You know, who has he been in the ring against? And when you can tell that story, it gives a lot more to what Dan Moff is able to do in the ring for your company at that moment at that time. Right. One of the things I, I got to give you guys credit for is just so much information that you also have to absorb. Like you just said, you have to tell the people listening, you know, everything else that has gone on before they actually get to the event. So how do you prepare before an event? You know, it's, it, it's, it's a lot. It's tough. Um, it's really trying to keep track of what guys are doing. And it's tough on the indies, especially when guys are traveling a lot and, 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 and these performers have such packed schedules. I try to keep track of events that they've worked, of companies that they've worked, and, I, and I'm sure I don't catch it all. I try to keep up with their character development, where they're going and what they're doing, uh, while also trying to tell the story that we're trying to tell, for example, at BCW. You know, and, and especially for the guys that are coming in, like, for example, when we had uh, Tony Nese, you know, who's currently with the WWE. Right. When we had Tony Nese come in, it was really telling that story, what Tony Nese has been doing, that story before he got picked up by the WWE, right? And mm-hmm. then that story of now what's happening in this interim. You know, he's been signed by the WWE, but now he's still wrestling for a couple of places on the independent scene. What does this mean? What is that about, right? So sitting there watching, and I watch a lot of these guys' matches, I I will say YouTube is the greatest thing in the world. 
Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, you, you, listen, YouTube is the greatest thing in the world when it comes to preparing because I'm able to watch these guys' matches. And, and again, I go back to a match I brought up earlier, a match that just recently happened. The Ugly Ducklings versus the Super Savages. Savages. I mean, I've been around the Super mm-hmm. Savages for years, so I kind of know, you know what's going on in the ring. I know their story. But the Ugly Ducklings, I mean, I've, I've never seen them live. Mm-hmm. I've never, you know, been around them. I've never been able to call a match. So going onto YouTube, watching their matches, watching what they're doing, researching their their development, the companies that they've worked for, and really trying to call out those major things, you know, um, and really trying to give fans an opportunity to become exposed to that wrestler um, is major. There is nothing better preparing for calling a wrestling match than a watching previous matches, matches with the participants in the match. And also just having that content. I mean, one thing that's major for every wrestling company is having content out there, whether it be for the company itself or whether it be the independent wrestler themselves, puts you over and build you, you know, you're not being built in a bubble. You're, you're built on, the strength of your resume. So when a guy like, for example, Joe Gacy and Mike Verna were just in California performing for championship wrestling from Hollywood, Mm -hmm. right? Why are they there? They're there because they've built a body of work, right? So for that commentary team, for someone who's not there live, for someone who's ordering that show on an iPay-per-view or online, that commentary team has to be able to sell to these fans, why in the world are these two random guys from the East Coast, by no means are they random, but you know, when you're thinking from a fan perspective, if I'm in California and I've never seen Mike Vern, I've never seen Joe Gacy, what are these two random guys from the East Coast doing in my company? No, what are they doing right. in championship wrestling from Hollywood? You know, who are they? It's just like certain and, superstars from the West Coast coming into the East Coast. Like, who are these exactly, guys coming in? You know, and and. So being able as a commentator to say, this is their history, this is their resume, as much abbreviated as you can, getting over the really big highlights of their career, you know, really helps because now you get this guy that's like, oh my God, now, okay, I got to go check out CZW, I got to go check out NYWC, I got to go check out, you know, all these different companies that these guys are, are working for. And I can become bigger fans of them. And really, it only helps the business as, as a whole. Like when I'm talking about like building just a company that I'm working for, that's great, right? But right. if I can get somebody to tune into an NYWC uh, stream or an NYWC content to watch more of Mike Werner or Joe Gacy, or I can get somebody to you know tune into other content from another company, at the end of the day, it, it's really a one hand wash the other. But in pre- preparation, man, it's all about just watching these matches and then trying to find a way to call that match a little bit differently than it's already been called. Well, YouTube, I mean, we're 80s kids here, and YouTube, it's like our Encyclopedia Britannica, you know? It is. (laughs) So instead of, like, going through the pages, you could just go click by click and kind of catch everything. Um, Wrestling brings people together. This is something that we've said on the show every single time. I feel like every week, wrestling brings people together. It's a great way to socialize with fans. And one of the things I like about the independent scene is that you're given the opportunity to also socialize with the wrestlers and the talent that's in there to get to meet new people and meet their journeys, And which is what we're trying to accomplish by getting to meet you. Do you have anyone in the business right now that you consider friends or mentors um i've made a lot of friends you know i have a a lot of acquaintances as well you know when it comes to mentors i really 
you know, have to harken back to the man who kind of opened the door to the business for me. You know, and it's the man who just so happens to be my commentary partner mm-hmm. at, uh, at at BCW, and that's uh, and that's AJ Pan. You know, AJ Pan was in a position on the management team at FWE, um, and he was the first man I came in contact with about, hey, I'm here to do these interviews for this company. And AJ did not have to, you know, set me up with the people he set me up with. I mean, he did not have to give me an interview with Teddy Biasi Jr. Yeah, he did not have to set me up with an interview with Paul London. He did not have to set up an interview with Maria and, and, and Mike Mike Kanellis, who was Mike Bennett, Bennett. at the time. Right. The, the promoter doesn't have to allay their talent to every single interviewer who's out there and yet he opened those doors he said all right i'll get you this interview i'll get you that interview i'll get you this you know and every fwe show that i went to and i came in as an interview guy you know it was always okay what opportunity am i going to get today and in doing that i was then able to move from there i mean when fwe closed its doors i literally thought i said okay you know what i want to continue doing this i want to continue doing something in the wrestling business like it made me realize that hey this isn't just some crazy dream, right? And I remember going to people and asking, like, hey, I know there's wrestling schools for wrestlers, but, like, is there any opportunities for people who want to be, like, ring announcers, commentators, or managers, like, where they can train? And it was almost like I was asking for very weird directions (laughs) uh, many times. Yeah. And, you know, because I guess that's not something that people usually hear, like, hey, I want to go to a wrestling school to be a commentator. Like, yeah, that's a little strange kid so aj then uh you know helped me get you know some of my first commentary gigs you know um i from from fwe i started doing uh ringside photography i got exposed to five borough wrestling through my connection with aj pan at fwe and i went started going to five borough wrestling uh as as a fan and i i was like you know what i want to you know i want to do something i literally went out and i remember spending money on a dslr camera okay mm-hmm. uh simply because I wanted to look more professional than showing up to a wrestling show with a point-and-click camera asking if I can take ringside photography. Uh, Because that was me my first couple of shows. I would stand at the ring, I would get permission, and I'd go to the ring, and I'd take ringside pictures with a point-and-click camera. And if you ever worked with a (laughs) point-and-click camera trying to catch pictures of professional wrestlers moving as fast as they do, it's very, very tough. And so I I remember spending money out of my own pocket to get a DSLR camera and, um, you know, doing that. And eventually there was an opening at Five Boroughs Wrestling for a commentator. AJ was doing the commentary there and he brought it up to Troy Thompson, or Troy Alexander, I should say, um, the promoter (laughs) at Five Five Borough Wrestling, and asked him, hey, can, can Pete do commentary with me? And he was like, you know, go ahead. You know, if he's any good and you think he's good, go ahead. And that was the start of a roller coaster ride because from that moment on, I became the lead commentator at Five Borough Wrestling, which I'm still doing to this day. And Troy is another man uh, that really opened a lot of doors for me and has really helped me grow in this business. Um, really always there for advice and to, you know, to help me you know, get better, you know, in that same vein, you know, guys like from the wrestling side, guys like guys like Mike Verna, you know, were really, were really big on helping me kind of find my way. Um, I remember at Five Boroughs Wrestling, when I was taking ringside photography, and even when I first joined the commentary team, I did not go into the locker room. I would stand on the outside. So um, for the most part, Five Borough Wrestling runs out of the American Legion in Brooklyn on Mm -hmm. Avenue N. Mm -hmm. And the way that it's set up 
is there's a small little corridor before you go into the locker room area. And I would always stand in that little corridor. I would never go into the locker room because I never felt like I like really belonged in the locker Interesting. room. Interesting, okay. Um, I wasn't a wrestler. Um, I was kind of just doing commentary. I was doing ringside photography, but I, I had never really felt comfortable. And it wasn't until guys like Mike Vernon and guys like Callen and, 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 you know, and Troy himself said, hey, come on back, That's you know, awesome. and, and they, they, they helped me feel comfortable there. But there's been a lot of guys that have helped guide me. I mean, guys like Demetrius Papadon, you know, the wealth of experience that that man has, you know, and I got to call commentary with him for a show at Five Bros Wrestling, and it was incredible. With the Just great guy. The knowledge that 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 man has. Wow. You know, he was sitting in as a guest commentator and literally you're listening to him talk and on the fly in my head, my commentary is changing because <laughs> I'm like, Oh my God, like this is fantastic. Um, I mean, that kid has a mouthpiece too, you know? Yeah. I mean, guys like, uh, guys like Shane, and John over at NYWC opening their doors for me to do like ringside photography there. You know, every person, and I'm, and I'm really missing a lot of names, and, and by no means do I want to show disrespect to anyone, but every person who has opened a door for me, every person who has made it possible for me to get better, for me to improve, you know, those are the people that I really look towards as, as my friends, whether they're wrestlers or they're commentators or they work in the management of a company. Um, I remember one of the most respectful men that I've ever met um, after a Ring of Honor show. I met Prince. I, I met Prince Nana once at mm -hmm. a at a uh, Legends of the Ring event in New Jersey, right? Mm -hmm. And I go to a Ring of Honor show, and I had a, a blast of a time as a fan because going to Ring of Honor, going to a WWE show, it's great to kind of take off the "Hey, I'm a commentator. Hey, I work for a wrestling company" hat, and kind of put on the "I'm going to be a fan for the night" hat. Mm -hmm. And I remember meeting Prince Nana again after the show, and he remembered me wow. from the fan convention. And we start talking, and I tell him that, you know, I'm doing commentary. I've been doing commentary for a couple of years now. And I remember Prince Nana, you know, he sat with me for about five or ten minutes, and he gave me some tips. He's like, listen, uh, if you really want to grow, if you really want to do this, do this, do this, do this, look into this, research this, talk to these people, like, get better. And so everybody from whatever level they're at in this business down to the guys and the fans that really, you know, enjoy my work and things like that. Like they're the ones who are really the people that I consider friends and mentors. Like, well, I'm very happy about a lot of the names that you named in there because the, there are people that we've also talked to that we could honestly say they're, they're truly just great guys. Mike Verna, for example, I, I totally believe that he is someone who, when you approach him, he's willing to just give you his heart, his mind. You know, if you, you're just willing to ask, which is great. And now you're doing the same thing for us, so I'm also very appreciative about that. There's many hats that you wear. You wear, um, you were talking about, you know, putting on your fan hat, but there's also different hats that you wear that we may not see in front of the camera or when we go into a venue. So why don't you talk a little bit about that? The hats that you wear for BCW. Well, without going into too much uh, detail, we don't want to pull the curtain back too much, you know. Uh, <laughs> I am um, obviously I'm in the I'm the lead commentator for Bree Combination Wrestling. We're going uh we're we're gearing up to go for our, our two year anniversary in, in um you know in March of next in March, April of next year. Uh and really gearing towards that. Um it's been a great ride there. Um but also I think as of maybe oh, I would say October, November of two thousand and sixteen. 
somewhere around there. Mm-hmm. Um, I got asked if I, you know, would uh, help out with the creative process with, you know, with the, with the, the booking talent and, and the getting in contact with talent, basically being a part of like the talent relations team. That's great. You know, it was, it was difficult at first because it's, you know, again, trying to find your way in something new. Um, I, I, you know, having been around so many talent for so long, I've had, I have a lot of, you know, connections, you know, with, with, uh, with a lot of the performers. So, I guess in that sense, it made it a little bit easier because I said, oh, I can reach out to that guy. Oh, I can reach out to this guy. Mm -hmm. Oh, I can reach out to this person. You know, but, you know, being a part, and listen, being part of a team, especially a team of creative individuals, um, is not always easy because when it comes to creative mind, everybody's idea is always the best idea, right? Right. Um, So it's tough to say, I have the best idea. I have the best idea. I have the best idea. And then fight for a little while and then say, okay, maybe I don't have the best idea, right? Um, but, you know, that's, that's been interesting, really helping to, you know, figure out, okay, you know, what talent do we want to pursue later on? I mean, I'm literally, when I'm not doing my real life work and things like that, I'm literally on a computer watching matches, looking up names, going on Twitter, going on Facebook, going into different Facebook groups to see who are fans talking about mm-hmm. and who's really big on the scene right now. Talking to a lot of, you know, the wrestlers that I that I know for a little while now who are constantly traveling and saying, hey, who's out there that's really kind of like, you know, catching your eye that we may not know about here in New York, right? That we may not be hearing a lot about, you know, because at the end of the day, it's tough. I mean, with the United States alone, just trying to figure out where talent is going to explode out of next. And then you have Mexico, you have the UK now, you have Japan, obviously. You have talent all over the world. To see where that talent is going to explode, trying to get talent in is always, is always fun. A lot of wrestling fans you know, underestimate how difficult it sometimes is, you know, to get, to put a show together. You know, uh, I, I always, I remember, I, I remember us sitting back in our meeting sometimes at BCW and saying, wow, we wish we had $10,000, $20,000 to just put on mm-hmm. a show with everybody we'd love on it. Right? right. Like we'd love to get all these people for one show and it's tough. It, it's really tough. You know, I remember, for example, you know, just to speak on one person. I remember there was a time when you would see David Starr every weekend or every other weekend wrestling a show here in New York or New Jersey. Okay. David Starr has become, excuse my play on words, uh, star? has become such a star, <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, he's become Some such great things a in the commodity. UK right now, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, it's crazy. This guy, You're right. I remember, I remember reaching out to David Starr to want to come and do a show for BCW. We were lucky enough that he he did do a show for BCW in December of 2016, right? Mm-hmm. And I remember talking to him in December, okay, when he came to do our show. And I was just like, Dave, when's the next time that we can, like, that you might be available to come out here, right? Uh-huh. You're thinking, oh, I may have some availability January, February, right? Okay. I remember he told me he was like, probably not till the summer. Shit. <laughs> and I looked at him and he starts laughing and he's like, I'm laughing, but I'm serious. Yeah. And it's like, it's great. It's a, and don't get me great wrong. News for him. Awesome. Yeah, no, absolutely. No, that is awesome, right? That is awesome that a guy like David Starr, the guys like JT Dunn, guys like Mike Verna, Mike Orlando, and Darius Carter, guys like that are getting the exposure, right? 
you look at the, the schedule that a kid like Maxwell Jacob Friedman has, right? Uh-huh. I mean, this this kid is in a different city almost every day. Yeah, that's because he's better than us, that. though, right? <laughs> and we know it. Yeah. And we know it. Um, I, I've long, I've long, uh, you know, relegated myself to the fact that, you know, MJF is, is a million times better than me. It's okay. Um, <laughs> by the way, fun fact. Fun fact, though, awesome commentary partner. Really? I'm not surprised. He's got a mouthpiece on him. It's those people. I mean, even as a fan, you know, when Papadon went through that curtain, he just has a mouthpiece on him. You know, MJF is the same way. You meet him, you you see him in the ring, and you're like, damn, I could only imagine yeah, there was, um, him commentating. There was a show at BCW. We needed, I needed a commentary partner. This was before AJ Pan came along uh, to join our commentary team. And uh, Maxwell was just like, hey, I'll do commentary. <laughs> and I, I literally thought he was joking. I, I completely <laughs> thought he was joking at first. Went out, he wrestled his match. I think his match was like the first or second match on the show at that time. And he came out and he did commentary with me for the rest of the show. And I mean, he he, he completely reminded me every single match that uh, not only was he better than both <laughs> competitors in the ring at the time, um, and he could beat up anybody who was in the ring at that time, um, that he was better than me, and that he was at that point the best commentator to ever be behind the commentary microphone ever, you know. But... Awesome, awesome to work with. Great, great commentary partner. But, you know, to see guys like that, going back to like that David Starr story, I'd love to have David Starr on a BCW show every month, if I could, right? Yeah, that'd be awesome. But to know, and hey, that's not entirely possible um, because he may not be available for six months is, is really kind of cool um, to see. Uh, but it also makes for the very interesting things that we do, you know, backstage when we're saying, hey, I want to I wanna get a guy like David Starr. Well, realize that we may not be able to execute that kind of a plan for six, seven months, you know. And we've been lucky. You know, we've been lucky at some times. Um, I, I can tell you one story that happened recently, actually. I believe it was April. World War 360. We were supposed to, you know, bring in Magnus. Okay, yeah. And we've been in conversations with that great guy. Nick is a, is, a, is a class act, right? We get a call from him, I think, two weeks or so, maybe a, a little less than that, from the show, saying, hey, um, I completely apologize. I, you know, this, I re-signed with GFW, and my contract is going to preclude me from working your show. I, I completely apologize. I need to be in Orlando that day for GFW. And, I, you know, that, that happens, right? Yeah. I mean, we had a, a similar situation happen, and I'll get to that in a second, right? Like, I think I know where so you're So what did we do? We, like, we, have to, we have to scramble. Like, what are we doing now? Like, you know, Nick Aldis, Magnus, was supposed to be in our main event. Uh, he was supposed to fight, you know, Mike Orlando that, uh, at the World War 360 show. What are we going to do? And so now myself and the creative committee, we're, like, scrambling, man. We're, like, scrambling to find a talent and who lands in our lap Shelton Benjamin you know I remember awesome. bringing his name up in a committee in a committee meeting in an emergency committee meeting and I was just like I don't know if he's still injured or not I don't know if he can even wrestle right now because of that whole WWE thing I don't yeah. know what's going on luckily enough we were able to get him he came in complete professional completely awesome guy came in one hell of a show one hell of a match and now obviously signed with the WWE and the, the other story very quickly was just recently, actually about two shows ago, we were supposed to have a main event match originally between Moose and Bobby Fish. Yeah, yeah. Moose got pulled due to GFW using him, deciding last minute to use him for the European tour that they did. So again, we understand you're under contract. You have to do that. Right. Mm-hmm. So we're like, okay, fine. What are we going to do? And we were able to solidify 
getting uh, Anthony Gangone, and we were like, this is going to be another. We just we just took a great match in Moose versus Bobby Fish and turned it into another great match in Bobby Fish versus Anthony Gangone. Yeah, I was still hyped. You know, I, I had tickets to the event, and I'm like, all right, I'm getting excited for this, and then. I heard things changing, but I'm like, still, so, Gangone and Bobby Fish, that's a good one. Let's go. I'm still there. Yeah, and um, we come around, and I think it was two days. I think it was two, one or was two quick. days before the show. We get a call from Bobby Fish. We don't know what's going on at the time, but he tells us something happened. Can't really get into it. I'm not going to be able to work the show. I've never done this in my career, and I completely apologize. You know what? Class act, great dude. It is what it was. We get a call from Bobby Fish a couple of days later. Obviously, we already know what happened. Right. It just so happened to be that the night of our show, the same night, uh, he was set to work a taping down in down in Florida mm-hmm. for NXT. Mm-hmm. And he goes down to NXT. And at the end of the day, you know what? Not a single soul can hate him for that. Complete professional. Complete professional man. You know, gave us, you know, the notice that he could, things like that. Went down to NXT and wrestled a match for NXT, which then led to him getting a full-time contract. Right. So, I mean, at the end of the day... You know, yeah, we lost out on Bobby Fish. Sucks, but the man ended up getting a full-time WWE contract out of it. And then, obviously, Anthony Gangone had a major family emergency, precluded him from being at our show. You know, and to me, the first thing I'm always thinking about is the fans. Like, I felt really, really bad for the fans because, you know, I've, unfortunately, I've been around, you know, for a number of years, you know, as, as a person. I've been around 30 years old. And I've seen companies advertise. Oh, we're bringing this person. We're bringing this person. We're bringing this person. We're bringing this person. And you buy a ticket to the show, and you go to the show, and guess what? Those people aren't there. Um, and I always, I always think of the fans. So when all those things happened, I worried about the fans. And you know, I was really thankful that our BCW fans really understood. Like at the end of the day, there was nothing we could do. I mean, you know, I am never going to be able to fight with you know the powers that be in Stamford, Connecticut, mm-hmm. uh, when they want to grab a talent, right? Yeah. Um, I'm never going to be able to fight with a contract. You know, so. So it's it's it, it's it's tough. It's one of the toughest things to do to be behind the scenes, you know. But we 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 try to make it as seamless as possible and as flawless as possible. And there is nothing that I can say thank you to more than those core guys that make up our show months in and months out. The Eric Jadens, the Sebastian Cages, you know, the uh, for a time before you know. You know, he got very busy, you know, um, you know, the, the Maxwell Jacob Fine scene, mm-hmm. who was on just about every show for about six, seven months, the Mike Orlando's, the Darius Carters, the Joe Gacy's, the Azriels, the Dan Moss, the guys like that, the guys that are in our shows every month, you know, those, those are the, many people forget, those are the guys that the companies are built on, right? It's I not, really it's not the big names that we're able to get, you know, it's not, you know, the, 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 the big name star that comes in for one show. They're great. Don't get me wrong. Many times, complete professionals, completely awesome. They put on a great match. Everybody loves it. But it's it's those guys that are there every show, night in, night out, putting in the work that really make up the lifeblood of an independent wrestling company. Yeah, and we've had conversations like this about the show. The wrestling landscape has changed throughout the last few years. I think the New York market is red hot, um, so I could totally see your struggle when it is, who, where am I going to take the, the next talent from? Is it going to be down from Florida? Is it going to be from the West Coast? Um, is it going to be from, from Atlanta? Wherever it is. So, you know, getting in tune with what the fans really want, we really appreciate. It's always a pleasure 
pleasure to go to a BCW show, not just because it's in my backyard, but because I know that the people that are there are working their ass off to put a great show. And that's what's going to make them that ready now talent. You know, there's people, you know, and I'm maybe a year or two into the independent wrestling scene. There's certain people who walk through that curtain who instantly as a fan that I've never seen them before in my life, like a Mike Orlando, as soon as he walked out of that curtain, I'm like, this guy's a stud. I'm putting my bank on this guy right here. Well, this I, think is my a, guy. I think you're a little biased there, right? Because I, <laughs> I mean, the man is the green machine. You are the green man. I mean, <laughs> you know. So uh, may we have that connection? You know, Mike Verna is another yeah. individual who came out there, and you know, as soon as he came out, I was like, wow. You know, I'm in for some something special tonight. Uh, yeah. Let's get back to you for a little bit. Are there? You know, we explore the, your passions outside of, of professional wrestling before our conversation, which is your career. Um, so tell us a little bit about that. What do you do on, on your off time? Uh, I, I like to say, uh, I, I've said this jokingly to a couple of people, that I'm the, uh, I'm the match striker of the, the late <laughs> 2000s in the sense that I am, I am an educator. So I am a teacher. Uh, I'm a middle school teacher. I teach 6th, uh, 7th, and 8th grade. Wow. Um, you the know, hormones are so... running wild during that time. <laughs> oh, yeah. Forget oh, about yeah. Hulkamania <laughs> running wild. It's the hormones running wild. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, trust me, if I had, if, if my kids ever saw, you know, some of the women's wrestling that's out there, I, they'd lose their mind. <laughs> um, it's a labor of love, man. I mean, it, it's one of the most, I like to say that there's two jobs in the world that prematurely age you. One is being the president and another is being a teacher. You know, there's nothing that's more tiring. There's nothing that's more exhausting. There's nothing that's more, you know, soul taking. Um, but there is nothing more exciting, right? Like I can get up after three hours and you know what wrestlers say the same thing, right? Like there's nothing more exciting to them than wrestling. Like that idea of, Hey, I'm going to wrestle in this city tonight and then I'm going to drive for 12 hours and sleep for four hours and then go wrestle in another city. And Oh my God, there's nothing more exciting. Yeah. It's the same way with teaching, right? I can I can be up all night writing an interesting lesson plan and, and writing an interesting activity for my students and maybe get two hours of sleep and go to school the next morning. And it's not my coffee that wakes me up. It's not the cold air. It's not the, the ride to work. It's my kids, man. Like walking mm. into that classroom with my kids, they wake me up. They keep me motivated. I will say it's always tough. Uh, working a professional wrestling show on a Friday during the school year because I'm a commentator, so I need my voice. Yeah. And so <laughs> on, on Fridays, it's always just like, hey, guys, listen, all right? Um, do your kids know? Kids today. What, do your kids know what you do um, outside of the classroom? They know that I'm involved. Well, for the most part, they know that I'm involved in wrestling. Mm-hmm. Uh, they know that I know a lot of wrestlers, um, and I always get the same question. Oh my God, do you know John Cena? Oh my God, do you know this guy? Oh my God, do you know that guy? They know that I'm involved in the wrestling business. They love the fact that when I tell them, I sometimes I've I've, I've actually gotten beat up. <laughs> like uh, I will tell you the one thing that scared me one time a couple of years ago. Uh, I was working at a school. And I was telling the story about how I, I work in professional uh, in professional wrestling, mm-hmm. and one of my kids says, "Oh yeah, you, you know you, you you ever been to CZW? Wow. Mind you, all right. This is a no. This is a sixth grader. Okay, 
He's like 11 years old. And he's been to CZW. Wow. And I said, wait a minute. What do you know about CZW? Okay, come out. <laughs> you're like, <laughs> you're 11 years old, kid. Like, you live in the Bronx, and you know about CZW out in Voorhees, New Jersey. What have you been watching? And <laughs> do I have to watch out for you? Yeah. Because the next thing I know, this kid's going to get into a fight, and he's going to want to put somebody through, through a couple of tacks. Yeah. You know, so uh, it's always fun, you know, getting, you know, my kids uh, realizing that I'm into wrestling. It's, it's, it's always hilarious, you know, but yeah, I mean, I teach, I'm also involved in like, you know, um, local, local community, community politics. I sit on my, sit on my local community board. I'm really invested in like my community and, you know, and bettering, bettering where I live at and things like that. Um, doing these types of things is what I enjoy doing. Uh, I've been teaching for about five years now. Um, you know, got my master's a couple of years ago, you know, Congratulations. while doing, you know, thank you while doing wrestling, uh, you know, so, and you know what, this actually is why I didn't become a wrestler. I remember even in my twenties saying to myself, I still want to wrestle. I want to wrestle. I want to get in the ring. Mind you, I'm five foot ten. Okay, <laughs> I am no longer at my athletic peak. Okay, I, I I do look like I've missed a couple of gym days. So here I am saying I'm going. I, I'm still going to want to be a wrestler. I remember going to the last open house before Wrestle Pro became Wrestle Pro slash Creative Pro, uh-huh. and I still have the pamphlet that was handed out by Pat Buck saying this is what you can expect. This is what we learn. This is, this is the things that we do, right? right. And I said to myself, I, I, want, I want to do this. I want to do this. I want to do this. I was doing my master's. I was in school full-time. I was teaching full-time while doing my master's. And so I sat there and I said, practice is two or three times a week, right? If I really want to do this, I need to do this. I need to dedicate myself to this. Mm-hmm. I need to be the guy that's at practice three times a week if practice is three times a week. If practice is three and a half hours long, I need to be there for three and a half hours. I need to be busting my ass. I need to be giving my all to this. And I sat there and I said to myself, I can't, right? Because I, I, I didn't have the, the opportunity to, hey, I may have to miss Tuesday practice because I have class at for my, for my master's, right. right? Or, hey, what's going to happen if I'm super duper exhausted after a long Thursday at work and I still got to go to, I can't just forego practice, right? Mm-hmm. And this happened to me when I was in high school, my freshman year, I tried out for the baseball team and I made the baseball team and I cut myself because I knew that I didn't have the time to go to practice every single day. And even though my coach told me, he's like, listen, you're talented enough in this, that if you didn't come to practice every day, it's not going to kill you. Like you, I'll let you miss a couple of days of practice. I know you have to work. I know your home situation isn't the greatest. And I told my coach at the age of 14, I said, I appreciate it, but I don't want to get special treatment because no one else is going to get that treatment. No one else is going to be treated that way. And everyone else is going to have to be busting their ass every day just to play in the game every week. And I'm just going to show up maybe once or twice a week and I'm going to be okay. Like, no, I, I can't do that because, Everyone's going to hate me for it. I'm going to hate myself for it. It's unfair. And so until I had time to actually devote to the baseball team, which wasn't until my junior and senior year, I just tried out every year to make sure that I still had the skills necessary Mm -hmm. to make the team and then cut myself. And I did the same thing with wrestling. Uh, I, I realized I didn't have the time that it took to dedicate myself to this the way that it needed to be dedicated to. I wasn't going to be able to show training and wrestling 
the respect that it deserved. And then I found my, my, my way outside of it. Um, you know, I, I do, I do commentary. I do my ring announcing. I, I do other things that I know that I have the latent ability and talent to do and that you get better by doing. And I have the opportunities to do it and practice and give my time to it. Do I wish I could go back in time and say, Hey, I'm going to give myself more time to do this. And I'm going to give myself this time to dedicate to the business. Sure. I think anybody who wanted to step in the ring and never got to live out that dream would love to do that. Uh, am I happy where I am and what I'm doing? Yeah, I am. Um, I don't think honestly that I would have made it that very far uh, as a wrestler. And, and I, and I immensely respect every single guy and girl who walks in between those ropes who trains as hard as they do, mm-hmm. who kicks as much ass as they do, who sacrifices as much in their life as they sacrifice to do what they do. And I'm going to, and I'm going to do that in the school building and I'm going to go sacrifice in front of my kids. And then I'm going to come and I'm just going to give you the best commentary that I can give you because you're going to give me the best match you can. I think one thing that has been really interesting is that like I've worked for different companies or I've worked different shows with a different commentary partner. Sometimes even in the beginning of BCW, I mean, the first BCW show I did by myself, I Joey Styles did the mm-hmm. next couple of BCW shows. I worked with, uh, uh Julius smokes is my commentary partner. Uh, for one show I worked with, uh, MJF. I, then I've worked with, uh, AJ pan for, for, for the most times I've called a match with Vinny Pacifico. I've called a match with Rex Lawless sitting beside me. I've, I've called a match you know, I've called Matt with uh, Dave Sturchio. I've called yeah. shows with Mark Adam Haggerty and Joaquin uh, Money Morales. And to be able to work with different people is always really cool. I will say this. I do have a dream. What is it? I recently was just reading that uh, Tony Schiavone is making a comeback to professional wrestling commentary. That's right. <laughs> I would love to call a professional wrestling event with Tony Schiavone. Don't get me wrong. I'd love to call a, a, a wrestling event with anybody that's currently on a TV wrestling commentary crew right now. But growing up, listening to Tony Schiavone and WCW, I mean, I don't think I'll ever call a show with, with good old JR, right? I don't think I'll ever get to call a show with uh, Kevin Kelly or Steve Carino or, you know, or, or Joey Styles. Yeah. I don't think I'll be able to ever do that. Uh, oh, Paul, oh, listen, right now, the two people that I want to call a wrestling show right now with, if Exc- I could. Excluding the green man. Paul Heyman and Tony Schiavone. <laughs> Paul yeah. Heyman, wow. Because I mean, we were talking about earlier how people would elevate. I think Paul Heyman would elevate you to a place you don't even know existed. Uh, Tony Schiavone would do the same. I think it, it would be a different style, though, between both of them. Still both really cool. Yeah, I think, I think with, with, Tony, with Tony Schiavone, I would have to be more of the color commentator. Yeah. Uh, and, and he would get, you know, handle uh, some of the play-by-play. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think with, with, with Paul Heyman, I would, I would, I would do the play by play, honestly, just to sit there and listen to Heyman sit right <laughs> next to me and, and call a professional wrestling show would be freaking awesome. That's it. We'll put that in our radar for this upcoming year for the voice <laughs> right, of a yeah. generation and Paul Heyman to come together to the Elks Lodge. Let, let's just throw it out there. I want it in my backyard. I want it in the Elks Lodge for BCW to make it happen. That'd be awesome. You know what? If we, that'd be tough. That'd be, that would be really tough, actually. You want to know why? why? Here's the funny reason. The original Elks Lodge, which is right next door, mm-hmm. the, the actual big, the big building that has the actual elk statue right out front, yeah. that's the original Elks Lodge. And uh-huh. that's where ECW 
AEW used to run out of. That that space is now owned by a church, which is why no longer wrestling events running there, and it runs in the area that we run in now. Mm-hmm. But that would be awesome, like to have Paul Heyman back at the Elks Lodge, the original Elks Lodge. Woo. That'd be money. Sell That'd out be, crowds. Yeah, I mean, I mean, <laughs> yeah. Just if I really want to say something, I think I want to get a lot. Of, I want to get guys exposure, man. I want to. Mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of there's a lot of guys out here sometimes, guys and girls out here that don't have the exposure yet. Like people aren't paying attention to them yet. And I think getting, helping to get them out there, using my platform to help get them out there or being able to connect with other wrestling companies and say, Hey, by the way, I got a couple of guys that if you're ever looking for people are going to steal your show for you. Mm -hmm. You know, that to me is a big thing. Um, You know, I'm waiting, I'm waiting for that phone call from a company in North, from, from any company in North Carolina, that wants to do the Super Savages versus the Ugly Ducklings Part 2, right? Now, are the Super um, Savages still together, or are we still holding true to the HOG high-intensity six well, where they broke what off? Well, from what I heard, from what I've heard from, from HOG management, right, um, and personally, as a friend of the Super Savages, I was very disheartened that they did not win the championships, right? But uh, from the from what I heard from HOG management was that uh, the Super Savages uh, are no longer a team at House of Glory. I have not I have not heard officially if they're not allowed to team anywhere else, uh, but definitely uh, we will be reaching out to House of Glory management to figure that out because the Super Savages are a fantastic team. They they're one of those together. teams that yeah. are that are literally on the cusp of uh, being you know that need to be recognized, and it would be it'd be great. But obviously, we, we do you know we do need to reach out to House of Glory management to find out how wide ranging that stipulation was. You know, gotcha. you know, but you know book. what? If yeah, if if they are not allowed to team, I got to tell you this much: a lot of credit to the New York Wrecking Crew for dis- you know disassembling right. one of probably the greatest teams in the New York area. Mm-hmm. If you want to grow, there's only one way for people to help you grow is to get in contact with you. So where would they have to go check you out? Emails, social medias, what are they? Uh, well, for me personally, obviously social media, my, my Facebook is uh, Peter Rosado on, on Facebook. Uh, you'll see my you know ugly smiling mug right there, front, <laughs> front picture. My Twitter, everyone says my Twitter is always really weird. Uh, my Twitter is ubiquitous, PDR. I, most people are like, oh, we can't spell ubiquitous. I, I was just going to say that. How do you spell it? Yeah, you know, <laughs> but you know, but the thing is, you know, there was a reason behind it. Ubiquitous means to kind of be everywhere, to be a part of everything, right? Uh, and so, because you know, I do a little bit of ring announcing, I do a little bit of com, I do a little bit of commentary. I've even been known to be do a little bit of managing in my day. You know, I'm a, a little bit of everything, so I'm ubiquitous, right? Um, yeah. But ubiquitous PDR um, on Twitter. And on Instagram, obviously, you could look me up at, at, at Peter Rosado. I'm also on there. But really, you want to look up BCW, Brie Combination Wrestling on Facebook, BCW underscore wrestling on Twitter, BCW Wrestling on YouTube, as well as any, you know, any interested, uh, you know, professional wrestlers out there. You know, BCW has a, uh, a, a private email for that, bcwbookings at gmail.com. So, you know, we're always looking for new talent, obviously. And check out, listen, I've, I've worked with some great companies, Five Borough Wrestling on Facebook, Twitter, mm-hmm. Instagram, you know, YouTube, NYWC on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, things like that. 
all these great companies that I've had the opportunity to work for, Fiesta Pro Wrestling, all these places, look them up, check them out, check out all your favorite wrestlers. Like, that's what you want to do, man. You want to go out there, whether I'm calling the match or not. Like, I obviously want to call the match, but, you know, check it out. Go out there, check out all this great content, and just, you know, immerse yourself, man. Immerse yourself. Take a shot of indie wrestling. That's right. Or take a shot of wrestling, and that is it. The voice of a generation. Thank you very much for being a part of the show this evening. Um, And you are not just your favorite wrestler's favorite commentator. This is your favorite green man's favorite commentator, Peter Rosado. (laughs) Thanks for being on with us. Really appreciate it, brother. Green man, thank you very much. And to all your fans, thank you for listening, man. Keep up the great work. Thank you very much. It's In the News with Michael J. Putty and the Green Man. Another uh, great interview, Green Man. Good job. Thank you very much, sir. By great, I meant longest. Let's go into some news. <laughs> it was pretty long. Asuka is set to be called up to the Raw roster very soon. How do you feel about that, Mr. Raw? I, I am excited. I, I, I posted this is this is the reason Raw is better because all the stars, all the free agents, everybody who wants to be somebody goes to the flagship show, which is Monday Night Raw. The belief that she will make her debut on Raw pretty soon. Some are saying early October because there's some sort of network collection coming out in early October. So they're going to try to maybe collaborate those two. Okay. Other reports are saying it won't be until at least November. Okay. So we'll see what happens with that. Dave, our boy Dave Meltzer noted that the reason she's going to Raw instead of SmackDown is oh, because he knows. WWE he knows. officials feel SmackDown has the strongest women's division <laughs> and they do not need the help, which we both agree that's true. Well, the SmackDown women's division right now, it's what? Carmella, Natalia, and Naomi. Like Those are the three... Those are the three faces uh, of the women's division. Like uh, Becky Lynch is like a, a third, fourth wheel. Even now Charlotte, but Charlotte has yeah, her, Charlotte her own and problems. the Queen. I mean, come on. Well, you can't fault her for that. But I'm assuming. I'm assuming Charlotte will be the ne- new number one contender coming up. Well, I definitely think that Oscar uh, is going to do a lot better things with the women's division. In she has more to work with her all too. Yeah. So you don't 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 mess up my girl Nia Jax's spot. I, I totally think she should be pushed over, but that's that's besides the point. That's another topic. That's another segment. That's for on SmackDown Cheers and Heels. Oh, okay. Spoiler alert. <laughs> In other news. Well, Michael J. Putty, this is the part of the show where I'm going to tell you spoiler alert. Okay. Because if you don't want to listen to what I'm about to tell you about NXT and Leo Rush, then just uh, fast forward right now. Leo Rush was set to make his debut at an NXT taping against Aleister Black. However, the Velveteen Dream attacks Leo Rush, uh, and it looks like that is going to set up their feud in an upcoming storyline. So Leo Rush, um, also in in the dirt sheets, looks like uh, probably by the end of September, you will see this episode air on NXT. Now, what do you think about the Velveteen Dream? Well... We said early on that Leo Rush and the Velveteen Dream were going to be easily put together because they were a former tag team. So they were going to easily they? be put together against each other. 
Um, and it, it looks like uh, it's going to be a great match for uh, Leo Rush. It's someone that he knows very well. And we're going to look forward to it as wrestling fans. And Vel- to, go ahead. Velveteen Dream. I heard this name before. It sounds stupid. Rosby the Velveteen Rabbit. There's a story when I was a little kid. <laughs> that was stupid. I think there's going to be some gimmick that won't go over. I had known nothing about this gimmick until I looked him up. It's Patrick Clark from NXT. Not NXT um, Tough Enough. Okay. Great guy. Great in-ring stuff. Great wrestling knowledge. I'm excited to see what the future holds for this guy. So now I'm a Velveteen Dream guy. So now give me a reason to watch NXT again. I'm excited about the Leo Rush versus Velveteen Dream. In other news. Your boy, Baron Corbin's in the news, my friend. Reported right. report last week about his sudden burial and the money in the bank and his lost uh, burial at uh, Smack, uh, what do you call it, SummerSlam. Right. Well, apparently it was, it was due to in part to his backstage incident involving a doctor and this concussion protocol stuff that were going over. Mm-hmm. Well, this past week, WWE learned Baron Corbin is involved in a rather high-profile lawsuit against the NFL brought on by former players. And for those of you living on the rock, Baron Corbin is a former NFL player who played for the offensive line for the Colts. That is very disrespectful. And uh, uh, Cardinals. Just because fans don't know everything about the back scenes, you, there's no need to tell them that they've been living under a rock, Michael J. Putty. I mean, it's been announced on SmackDown. You should watch SmackDown sometimes. It's a great show. Yeah. But they talk about it on SmackDown. So that's that. Th- that is very condescending of you to say. Don't try to... <laughs> think you know words now because you don't know them all right it's very antiquitic of you interesting another news well according to a report from the wrestling observer newsletter paul Heyman has quite a bit of influence behind the scenes gee golly who knew um and especially when it comes to the universal champion brock lesnar and their presentation on wwe programming now Paul Heyman is right in Vince McMahon's ear, and it's said that uh, the writers really don't like Paul Heyman because he is right in Vince McMahon's ear, and anytime they write something that Brock Lesnar is ready to put out, minutes before it would happen, hours before, he would say, eh, you know what, I want to change it, but not even like tweak it a little bit, Michael J. Putty. Like He's like, I want to revamp the whole shit that we're going to do tonight where it sends the writers on a tipsy-turvy ride, they have to rewrite everything, and then Brock Lesnar goes and performs what now Paul Heyman wants him to do. Yeah, but I think Brock Lesnar is be reported that he would be okay with the original before the rewrites. So. I think he's a cool guy. I think he, he totally would be okay. Like, he's making millions of dollars. Like, he'd just be like, just tell me what to do. Tell me where to stand. You know, tell me where to do my Brock Lesnar, like, hoppy. Yeah. yeah, my little hoppy dance. And I'll do it in other news. A uh, story we've been following uh, for a while now is the uh, status of Billy Corgan in his attempt to purchase the NWA. That's right. Uh, an organization that a good friend to the show, Eric Jaden, is part of. That's right. Uh, Corbin is officially indeed the new owner of the company, but is going to have to wait until licensing, licensing agreements with other companies expire before he can officially start taking control over the promotion itself. So this should happen sometime, I believe, in October. All this stuff ends in mid-October, so probably late October we'll start seeing moves. So although Corbin is busy planning his own world tour. He's a very busy man. So we'll see what exactly what happens coming up. We'll, we'll keep you abreast here at A Shot of Wrestling in all the news. Well, 
GFW confirmed on their media call that Alberto El Patron, otherwise known as Alberto Del Rio, is returning to GFW and will compete in an upcoming Bound for Glory pay-per-view. Now, Patron was originally scheduled to go up against uh, Jeff Jarrett, if you remember. I do um, remember. But with Jarrett taking a leave of absence, here go my air quotes, a leave of absence. Um, where does that leave Alberto? Karen Jarrett tweeted that she thanks everybody for support and it's nothing bad. It's good things coming. Mm-hmm. So maybe it's not a forcible leave of absence and maybe he's doing some other things. Storyline? You think it's this whole part of the storyline? I don't think it's storyline. I think it's business-wise. Okay. Well, the number there's a number one contender right now for... Um, the okay, ring of go. honor oh. so of for honor. i'm sorry there's a number one contendership for a gfw um and that's with uh johnny mundo who's now part of the gfw brand uh so who knows who as knows? johnny mundo as no, johnny worldwide i don't know you know your boy johnny nitro is always in the mix so uh in other news well ohio valley wrestling ovw former Minor Leagues to the WWE has announced that they will be doing a benefit show to for Matt Capitelli, which yeah. takes place on 7.30 p.m. on September 23rd at the Davis Arena in Louisville, Kentucky. Tickets for the event will cost only 15 bucks, and all the proceeds will go to him and his family. Also, additional GoFundMe page has been set up. We started, we reported a couple months ago, I think now, yeah. he, you know, he suffered a brain tumor, came back. So, uh, Godspeed to him, and hopefully this works out for him. Uh, another news. Well, Michael J. Putty, I know you've been excited about the May Young Classic. I was all about the May Young I know. Classic. We, 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 it's, it's been documented on the show that you're really excited about it. Have you watched it? Almost every single minute of it. Well, then I may have to ask you, were you excited when Carrie Shane became the inaugural May Young Classic winner by defeating Shayna Blazer. You say inaugural as it, you think they're going to come again. That's it. That's no inaugural. It means it's going to happen it, again. Yeah, I think it should. Okay, I think it should. I think if if they're really building on this women revolution thing, um, absolutely. And I totally agree. I and mean, we've talked this about this in the show. Like, I think the women could totally have their own pay per view. They could totally have their own like show, their own roster. And as long as they're hot, like. Just put them on. Very misogynistic of you. It's not misogynistic of me. I, I think I think women who watch wrestling also like watching fucking Randy Orton. They they like watching. Um, they like watching fucking Randy Orton. Well, I don't know. Freudian slip there. <laughs> that was cool. I was I was rooting for uh, Blazer, Basler, whatever her fucking name is, because uh, she's an the MMA Queen person. She has a great background. I saw her on the total. Divas, when I watched during my vacation, the 75%. Yeah. And Jim Ross kept mentioning that out of her 15 wins, 14 of them were submissions in the yeah. MMA. So I mean, it was kind of a surprise that Zane, Zane won. But what, do you, what are your thoughts? The Princess Pirate. I, I like her Princess Pirate gimmick, by the way. I think it, okay. it's unique. And she came up with, I'm sure she came up with it on her own in the indie scenes. And, uh, the thing with her wheel. I think it's pretty cool. Uh, do you know why Zane went over Basler? Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm a little surprised because okay. Basler was like my number one pick 
Like, if you go back a few episodes and we named who we thought would be our picks I picked to Tess, win. Tess Blanchard. He's, it's, yeah. Um, and so I picked Shayna. But uh, did, it, it, it didn't it didn't work out that way. Uh, Michael J. Putty, do you have some insight why it didn't work out that way? Well, according to my sources, Ooh. Well, I'm getting them recently. It's not bad, right? <laughs> okay. Uh, Basler was the favorite to win. Am I saying her name right? Basler, right? Shayna Baszler. Baszler. She was the favorite to win, but she did not sign a contract with the WWE. However, her opponent did. Ergo... She went over Basler. All politics, huh? Even All in uh, politics, my man. Special events. In other news. Here we go from my friends. On Raw. I was on a high note. <laughs> the A show, right? No. <laughs> on Raw, The Miz and his wife, Maurice, announced they are expecting their first child. Miz stated that they felt the announcement should be made on Raw because it would be special because that's where they met. For the very first time. And I remember that they started some sort of storyline between those two. Interesting. Way back when that thing that she left. Was it episode like 375? No. 400. It's being part of the couple kept it very private. Didn't tell anybody. And when the announcement was made on air. Okay. Everyone backstage was surprised. They told a small handful of people. Do, do you think the people backstage were surprised like it was a shoot or like, wow, they're making this a storyline? No, I was like, oh my God, congratulations. Okay, I don't think they would make this a storyline. That's a rumor. That's a storyline. That's a well, conversation going Lita on. Lita was going to have a baby, the Dean Kane's baby with who? Kane with Kane. That's a storyline. Why? Because Kane. they're not married. They're not a couple. They're not on total hey, divas. Lita got around back in the day. Not okay, with Kane. <laughs> not with Kane. so it's cool. You, you know, don't know I'm, that. I'm excited to see that episode of Total Divas. I'm assuming they were recording. Yeah, absolutely. To see all the reactions. Yeah. I tweeted out today to uh, WWE okay, and to the E-Network. This is not in the script, so offhand. We have Total Divas. Uh-huh. This is a great show. We have Total Bellas. Yes, yeah, so I'm watching uh, the first two shows from the new season. Me too. I like it. Great show. Uh-huh. Total Bellas is so popular, like a spinoff. Mm-hmm. I Maurice is coming up with Child. Mrs. Awesome, reality star in his own right. Right. I want to see a spinoff. Give, give Maurice and Maurice their own show. What would you call it? Total Lee Awesome. <laughs> That's a great name. Have you yet to heard back from anybody yet? <laughs> I will keep you abreast. But, uh, yeah. Well, if I hear that that name come out. You know what you heard it first. <laughs> episode 82. Of a shot of wrestling. But I want to do offer our congratulations to Miz and Maurice for their child. You know what they're going through. Absolutely. It's not easy. Another ex- congratulations must be extended for me personally is The Miz has officially surpassed the Honky Tonk Man, becoming the third longest reigning IC champ of all time. Who would have ever thunk The Miz? The Miz. Not JBL. Breaking, yeah. <laughs> so congratulations to The Miz. He's becoming the longest combined reigning IC champion and single reign at 456 days. Look at you with the stats. That's why you're the iron horse of the show, yeah. man. That's why we keep you around. For those keeping track, Miz is number three at all time. Wow. In, no, that's it. Well, that's right. it. Thank you very much. A lot of education that we've learned about wrestling and, and, and the sheets. Hashtag totally awesome. <laughs> um, so uh, let's 
How was Raw and SmackDown? Uh, SmackDown was one of the best shows I've seen in a long time. I got to feel my drink, so let's get into some Raw and Cheers and Heels. Let's go for it. I know you had a lot to talk about Raw, right? <laughs> a shot of wrestling presents Raw and SmackDown and Heat. Michael J. Putty. Green man. <laughs> Before we started this evening together with a few shots of wrestling, um, we decided that Raw wasn't really that great of a show and we were possibly going to do, for the first time ever on Shot of Wrestling History, NXT and SmackDown Cheers and Heels. But after yeah. we watched this week's show of NXT... I gotta say, I'm not that impressed. With that show or NXT as a whole? Uh, that show. I think, but you know what got me interested in them, in, in watching it and thinking that there could be a possibility that I may want to watch more NXT? You know, the endings, they're, they're, they're filled with these great clips. And we talked about Leo Rush debuting, mm-hmm. spoiler alert, um, earlier on the show. But there were these great clips about, you know, Adam Cole, O'Reilly, and Bobby Fish getting together and, and attacking and getting in, and interfering in, in that main event. The with, Undisputed with, Era? <laughs> and then there was that. So it got me interested. It made me want to turn the channel. And two weeks ago, you know, made me want to go into the network and look at Asuka, you know, relinquishing her belt. Um, so they're filled with these great moments. But now I feel like I've been duped, like... They're not filled of a full hour of great moments. They're filled of one great notable thing to mention on their show that makes you want to tune in. Oh, like Raw? Which leads me to Monday Night Raw. You're welcome. <laughs> um, the only things that are notable and uh, you may- are how hot Nia Jax looked in regular clothing. <laughs> Is that one of your cheers? Oh, that's my only cheer. Oh, well. I love Nia Jackson. Day one, I tweeted you saying, when is she coming out? Because I want to watch her. Her her outfit is not that flattering. But in regular clothing, smoking hot. You say that about Charlotte all the time, too. Charlotte's oh, yeah, absolutely. banging in regular banging. clothes. Banging. Wow. Do Mary kill Charlotte, Nia Jax, Naomi. Ooh. Ass hole. <laughs> I'm going to kill Charlotte. You're an ass man. You're like Billy Gunn. I would bang the shit out of Nia Jax. I'd marry Naomi. You would bang the shit out of Nia Jax. Oh, in a heartbeat. Dude, Nia Jax would bang the shit out of you. I succeed, touche. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I will like every minute of it. <laughs> Let me tell you, the only thing I yeah, cheered... Yeah, go right to Raw. Yeah, off topic. <laughs> Way off topic. <laughs> the only thing that I liked about Monday Night Raw was... Was the ending? No, was Ms. TV. Okay, yeah, the baby talks about. Yeah, it. cheers to Miss TV. I also liked how the uh, the interference by Enzo and getting in the mix of that came in, into fruition, into creating their own match, and then doing their own gimmick with like the mic because they're both like big. That, yeah. They're both big on, on talking. All Enzo so, has right now. So, and it was also nice seeing that Enzo, you know, could possibly be teeter tottering between. The main roster and also the cruiserweights. I oh, mean, no. keep them on the cruiserweights. Keep them. But it's nice to see that, yeah, the cruiserweights could also have a main event 
uh, main roster push. A very light one, but nonetheless a main roster push. You might kill Nia Jax, Charlotte, Naomi. Me? Yeah. Because uh, none of your your type. They're, they're not my type. They're not my type. Yeah. Um, I'm more of an Alexa Bliss kind of a guy. Yes. You know? I do um, know. I'm more of a, a Brie Bella kind yes, of a you guy. Are. You know? Very very petite, so, slender. How do you cover zone? Do Mary Kill? Um, I would have to uh, marry Naomi. Okay. You know why? Because because on Total Diva, she she shows herself as a good woman. Oh, great a, woman. You know, yeah. she she'll hold my household very well. And how do you put it? Uh, that ash. That ash is yeah. so nice. And um, I'm sorry. I would probably have to. I would bang the shit out of Charlotte and uh, kill off Nia Jax. You're missing out. You are missing out. Well, you know what? You bang Nia Jax. I'll bang Charlotte. And I'll tell you how. We'll we'll share our, our dirt sheets. Okay, sounds good. <laughs> um, I have to heal one thing, though, about Monday Night Raw before we move forward. Everything else? Yeah, no uh, problem. No, but one of the things that I was cheering for the past two weeks on Raw was the fact that they were building onto their main event in a worthy quality main event. They built it with the Women's Championship two weeks ago, and then they built it with the Big Show and, and Strowman match, the cage match that they had uh, the previous week. Um, so worthy main events that they built throughout the night and get me invested in the last hour. This main event between the Hardys teaming up with Rollins and Ambrose against yeah, surprise, right? Against Andy and Gallows with Cesaro and Sheamus, I was like, "This is not a main event. It's not. It's a, it's a is, nine o'clock hour. This minute. is yeah. yeah." I'm like, and not only that, they they didn't even properly build to it. Like they didn't get me excited to watch it. Literally, the show ended, and I was like, "So where's my main event?" You know what I'm talking about? Raw is uh, Raw. Always opens up with some sort of promo. Yeah. Which leads to a main, to a main event, event match. Okay. However, last week we had a great match with John Cena and Jason Jordan. To one up him, they started out with a match with Jason Jordan, Roman Reigns. And I like that. Cont- continuity. I like it. No promo. Started off with a great, what, 20, 25 minute match? Mm hmm. Jason Jordan, maybe not. Uh, but as Jason lame Jordan as getting now respect from Roman Reigns and John Cena. Well deserved. He's a great match. Yeah. Probably won't lead to anything. Could he be the next John Cena? No, not even close. Well, SmackDown. How Probably the next Roman uh, Brock Lesnar because he has no personality. He needs a voice. <laughs> Maybe his daddy can. The be Green Man could be your voice, Jason Jordan. If you need a little green in the title picture, dial it up six one nine three four three three zero zero five. That's right. SmackDown. How was it? One of the best shows in months. It should be. It should be. Did you watch it? Yeah. You know what? I I've been on all the. All the news sites. I've been on a lot of forums and wrestling forums discussing SmackDown with a lot of other fans. I follow Yep, I Like Wrestling and the Radicals Roundtable. Yeah, I do. I'm on there. And people are, are, are touting on how great SmackDown was. All right? So before you get into your cheers, SmackDown should be great. Okay? Because it was promoted as a great show. It was. All right? There, you had three title matches. All mm-hmm. your titles were pretty much up for grabs. You're coming from Sin City. They were building this big Las Vegas dramatic moment. And I'm like, hell yeah. If you do not deliver on the fact that you're promoting the show to be bigger than it is, pay-per-view worthy, then you're doing something wrong. So, yes, SmackDown was better because it should have been. And that's and why Raw was a little, it took a back seat. 
to allow SmackDown to, uh, you and it, know. And it was better. It delivered. It was a home run. Um, side note, SmackDown was a full audience. Wow. As opposed to Raw's half-empty arena. I, I didn't see that. I wasn't there. I can't, I can't say that it was empty or not. You know, it's controversial, but we're going to cheer the Singh brothers overly laughing at Ginger Mahal's lame jokes. <laughs> it's, it probably didn't come off well, but it made me chuckle. Okay. Took the light. It wasn't so serious. It was kind of light, light and comical. Because mm-hmm. so overly exaggerated done. Also going to cheer my man Jinder Mahal with his jokes, his lame dad jokes, <laughs> but kept things light. It wasn't those serious anti-American, xenophobic bullshit he always goes yeah, into. Yeah, when he came around, we yeah. were like hating the fact that but it was great, different. Another guy, it, now it wasn't attacking America; he was attacking this guy, Cheesecake. Mm-hmm. It was different. I liked it. I like that you call him Cheesecake too. Uh, it makes me hungry. I don't. I don't understand. What are you talking that's about? That's his name, uh, Shinsuke Nakamura. Cheesecake Nakamura, yeah. No, Shinsuke. Cheesecake. Oh, that's what you said. That's what I said, yeah. I'm sorry, I must have missed her. I, I thought you said I'm cheesecake. Add this out. Um, the cheers of the night, the cheers of the week, the cheers maybe of the month. Ooh, cheers of the month. First New Day versus Usos. That. Again, deliver on a great match. The Usos are on top of their game. As the New Day, Since- these guys' chemistry together works well. They have not had a bad moment at all. Promo-wise, match-wise, these guys are great in the ring. Wow. I'm going to put uh, Nuso, Uso's New Day, any match, spoiler alert, mm. one of the match of the year contenders. Really? Yeah. Well, you know, we're approaching the third quarter of a shot of wrestling, and you know, the award shows are going to be coming up at the end of the year, so who knows? Maybe they, they, they'll yeah. be worthy. New Day, Uso's, SummerSlam going to be up on my list. Two of the best teams in not only SmackDown, but anything in the WWE Universe. Raw, SmackDown, NXT, two of the best teams. Who would have thought that the Usos, once they turned heel, would be so much better as heels than they were as faces? I would. Yeah? Yeah. I mean, they I mean, were so... They were so the boys so, had to talk about. They were such cookie-cutter, great guys, face yeah, paint, they, When they cut the first fly. promo as a heel, it was like, all right, these guys are going places. Okay. It's like Randy Orton. Yeah, but before they cut that promo, like... Oh, yeah. They, you know, that. like you see this cookie cutter, great face tag team, and you're giving them a shot by turning them heel. You're, you're taking a chance. And, and they ran with it. And they, they, they bought in from that first promo. They didn't sell out. They bought in. They bought in. Good. Cheers, Dolph Ziggler. Delivering it again. Did you watch Dolph Ziggler this week? Did you um, read a Dana Warriors tweet? No, I did. I was wondering what she thought. She was backstage. What she say? Well, she was actually front row to that because we remember okay. they were doing that Connor's Cure um, segment right before that match. So she was okay. front row. Uh, and she was there for the uh, May Young thing. Yes, but I didn't know she was there for front row. Okay. Thoughts? Uh, <laughs> but um, she she said, "If uh, you ever disrespect my husband again, she." Uh, she will show Dolph Ziggler what a girl warrior can do. I'm shoot, paraphrasing. Shooter kayfabe. Um, kayfabe. Okay. Kayfabe. Yeah, I think she, they're, they're, she's trying to just get a little rub off uh, what Dolph Ziggler's doing. I don't think it's disrespectful in any way. The oh, forums yeah. are going crazy on the fact that whether they're, it's disrespectful or whether it, I don't think a, they would have done it if it would if she would not get the okay to do it. Do you think it's disrespectful to Warrior? Do you think it's disrespectful to um, 
Macho Man Randy Savage? Do you think it's disrespectful to uh, Naomi for him to do all these things that he's doing? No, not at all. Is, or is well, it? Like I, said, I don't think he would have done that if her being backstage would not have given her okay. Because mm-hmm. she's such a big part of their family now. Right. I don't think she would not have um, felt it was disrespectful and they would still would have gone on and done it. They're very concerning to her needs and wants. My thing is, he did it. He went out and did, it made, made a mockery of the character of the warrior, not the man, the warrior. You know what not I'm saying? Not even the character, it's the entrance. Yeah. It, it, like, and he made a point. It's like, this guy, all he cared about was his entrance. That's what that's his shtick right now. I wonder where the th- things are going to go. I've read rumors that leads to a Bobby Roode feud. Because then he'll eventually do uh, Bobby Roode's ent- entrance. Because en- Bobby Roode's all about his entrance. Yes, and I see that as the payoff. Okay, so I was my I like it. my original cheer was where's this, what's the payoff going to be? Mm-hmm. I thought, oh, Bobby Roode makes sense because Bobby Roode's been missing for the last couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. So Dolph Ziggler, Bobby Roode, I'm into it. I'm down. That'll be a great match. Now Bobby Roode is supposed to be the face of SmackDown instead of the the fa- heel of SmackDown. That's actually a, it's he's a good, replacing uh, John, he's taking John Cena's spot, uh huh, as opposed to being the top heel of SmackDown, which might was AJ me. didn't AJ Styles take John Cena's spot? You would think, right? But yeah, not according the face to who runs the who the face the face that runs the place. Yeah, I'm going to heal Baron Corbin, your boy Baron Corbin. What did he do to you? He told AJ Styles after beating his ass, "I'm accepting your open challenge next week." It's not okay. it's not an open challenge if you give it ahead of time. <laughs> it's a regular challenge. So you don't can't it's not an open challenge no more. It's a regular challenge. I'm also gonna heal the beatdown of Vince McMahon. Really? That was like a lot of on people's man, high list. That man has turned seventy two. Enough's enough. <laughs> <laughs> you don't need to take these headbutts anymore, my man. Don't even get cut up hard because there was no blading there. That was all legit. Really? Yeah. Well, you don't need to do that. I mean, side cheers you to must the crowd not, for it. The, you must have not talked to your boy Dave Meltzer after. Chanting, you still got it. I appreciate it, but come on, enough's enough. What did he have to say? Because uh, I talked to him. I think I think you talked to him earlier in the week where you got all the information. And yeah, the I, I didn't watch that on live. I watched it live. And then uh, I spoke night. to him most recently a few nights ago. Um, but apparently, uh, Vinnie Mac actually bladed for that spot. And when? It was. Well, so and they use this like cosmetic makeup thing. That's what I originally thought. Over it. Um, so when he came out, you didn't see anything. And he actually, um, Meltzer actually quoted saying that Vince even told Kevin if he doesn't bleed from the headbutt to go back into him with heavy punches to make it come out. Yeah, because was I originally thought because they were, the initial cut looked gross. Yeah, but the blood coming from it looked it was, weird. It was a little blotchy, like it, it was fake kinda, blood. Like it was porous. In but a there way. was no, like I said, cut. There was no way no. for him to cut. So I really thought maybe there was like a dye pack in his. But that's I personally did not think that was in their repertoire. Yeah, but after saying that it is right, I'm like, that's extreme shit for a 70 year old man. 72 as of August. Wow. So. Well, I could only assume but that SmackDown... That makes perf- more sense than him cutting, being cut hard. Yeah. I could only assume that SmackDown did better in the ratings than uh, Raw, so go ahead. You would be correct! 
Raju a 2.903, which is down from last week's 2.932. Raw was number three in the viewership and number three in 18 to 49 behind. Uh, Love and Hip Hop. Hollywood and. Love and Hip Hop. The opening night of Monday Night Football. Damn. I need to change my answer. Well, you're going to have to because it's going to be Love and Hip Hop. (laughs) <laughs> and football for the next 16 weeks. This week's SmackDown drew a 2.754, which is up from last week's 2.582. This is the best SmackDown has delivered since April. Nice. SmackDown was number two. Ooh. Ooh, ooh I got this one. I got this one. For the one. night falling behind. Um, American Horror Story. Tucker Carlson. Damn it. SmackDown was number two in the 18 to 49 demographic, falling behind. Uh, Rachel Maddow show. American Horror Story. Damn it! <laughs> so SmackDown had a great week. Suck at this game. You do. But you're yeah. right. With the, you love hip hop. But okay. you, you didn't take consideration football started. Yeah. All right. So, uh, so that's what we got. Any go home thoughts for you, my friend? Well, I got to say. I am very excited about this week, this uh, month of interviews. I want to thank everybody who's contributed. Peter Rosado, um, Stockade, um, who who else? Cannonball. And next week, we conclude the month of September with a very special guest. And here to announce who it will be. It's the man himself. There's another weekend of September, though. Huh? We're not concluding September. No, September weekend, is September. over. For, well, for us, taping. Well, 29th. Then we're moving out to October after that. 29th, though. Yeah, I got, there's a lot of things going on that week. I don't know if I'm going to make it. Hey, check it out. This is the high-top fader hip-hop parade in Anthony Bennett, and I'll be on a shot of wrestling next week. Check it out. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. Anthony Bennett from the Cruiserweight Classic. We talk about it. Legend of the Mike? Huh? Legend of the Mike? Mike Bennett? Yeah. No, that, uh. well, that's why he changed his name to, to Mike Canellis. Okay. You know? oh, okay. He, not everybody could be a Bennett. True. But uh, yeah, we, we talk a lot about uh, the Cruiserweight Classic. We talk a lot about you know getting his start, uh, what he's doing with CZW and the Dojo Wars. So uh, tune in next week for that. Really excited for that interview. Michael J. Putty, your go-home thoughts. Um, we have been inundated with phone calls for the Eric Jaden. We have been. Love hotline. Yeah. Way exceeding our expectations. Yes. Way exceeding Eric's expectations. When you put sexy on a shot of wrestling, things just blow up. So you guys want to dial it up for love. It's 619-343-3005. But ergo, that's not just for Eric Jaden's love hotline. That's still at its root core, our hotline for questions, comments, and concerns. That's right. So dial up. Feel free to dial it up anytime. Like this person, Green Man. Who? We got a new caller. <laughs> Hi, Michael. This is uh, Hank. I just want to say that you have voice of an angel. It was just... Sorry about that. Just had to do a courtesy. Bless. I'm at the rest stop on 53. And I uh, just want to say, Michael, you have a voice of an angel. Thank you, Hank. My mother agrees with you. 
Well, if, if you give me the address on the rest stop on 53, I will gladly send you an autographed T-shirt. Well, yeah. Yes. Thanks, Hank. What about Green Man? What do you think about Hank's voicemail? How, co- how come no one calls for me anymore? Because you don't have a voice of an angel. <laughs> That's basically it. Yeah, it must be. It must be. So, yeah, stay tuned to the special A Shot of Wrestling mini-sode. What? Of all your calls, because we can't fit them all in. Like I said, we've been inundated. So, we will stay tuned. Stay tuned to your uh, iTunes or whatever you do on Android. Podbean. Podbean. iTunes. We will be releasing a special edition of A Shot of Wrestling in the middle of this week with all your love calls and uh, questions. Stay tuned. That's right. And if you need to call, there's still a chance for you to dial it up for love. It is 619-343-3005. That's right. Uh, be part of the show. If you like what we're doing, let us know. If you hate what we're doing, let us know. If you like my voice? Think of a voice of an angel? <laughs> let us know. Think Green Man sucks? Let us know. Yeah, you're, you won't be the first and you won't be the last. But what you need to do is follow us on a shot of wrestling on Facebook and Instagram or a shot of wrestling, no A, on Twitter. This show is from the fans and it's to the fans and it's your forum to discuss your thoughts, have fun with it, and who knows? Your thoughts could be part of next week's show. Make sure you follow him because I have break, breaking exclusive news. Yes. On Jonathan Coachman on our social media platforms. So it's coming up. Ooh. Check them out. Exclusive. Now, if you need love advice, I said it before and I'll say it again. This is from the definition of authority and sexiness. You just dial it up for love. That is 619-343-3005. And finally, for more information or to be a sponsor, email us at inbox at a shot of wrestling.com. So that's it. Ready to go home? We're ready, baby. Until next week for Green Men, I have been your host at Michael J. Putty. Until next week, Putty out. Hey, baby, I hear the bell ringing, hip tosses and body slams. Oh, my. And maybe you seem a bit confused. Yeah, baby, but I got you pinned. Ha, 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 ha. But I don't know what to do when I see them with that golden case. They're cashing it in. Authority all in my face. What is a man to do? Good night, everybody.